Hello, I'm Matt Peterson. And I'm Rich Trapier. And this is episode 32 of History on the Table. Rich, it's almost Thanksgiving. By the time by the time everyone's hearing this, maybe it'll be Thanksgiving. I know. My daughter's coming home from Mizzou tomorrow, and the other daughter's got hey. all next week off school. So yeah, it's good times. Nice. Um, sadly for our listeners, we jumped the gun too early and will not be covering the GMT monthly update, which is coming out next week. They really should have moved it up for us. They should have. I mean, they already were, is what it sounded like (laughs) in their like IT email update thing they sent out, but I should have told them, Hey, I think (laughs) they sent that email because they knew they screwed up. They had to get something out before our recording. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so no GMT update, but we do have some other news we got to get to. And, uh, some of this is, I don't really know if it's news news, but, uh, we have historic fest dates, new venue, um, and, uh, a few, I guess things to announce. Sure enough. Um, so August 19th through 21st, this is 21st, 2022, we'll be having historic fest still in Overland Park. Um, just said one of the holidays in here that have a really nice ballroom that uh, we're going to use and take over and your admission's going to cover some breakfast and snacks and drinks and whether you stay at the hotel or not so free food and drink yeah sounds like a sweet deal yeah hopefully i'll be able to make it well i hope so too already working on the announcements are rolling out if you follow our facebook page it'll be a link to that in the show notes um, but real quickly, I just want to shout out, we already have some great sponsors with, uh, GMT games, multi-man publishing, blue Panther, and we're working on, I mean, that's just all we're announcing so far and we're still, we're actively working to bring back last year's sponsors plus many more sponsors in addition to those last year. And then, uh, Mike Denson will be in attendance again. So we'll do the last hundred yards thing, dinner with designers and we'll just keep announcing good stuff as we go. I, I've talked to someone, um, and it's pretty much a done deal, but we're just going to make it an official thing in February, about six months out, of uh, someone who's a really good teacher of war games is going to teach one or two shorter war games, but historical games, uh, each day of the convention. So more learn-to-play opportunities is the short version of that. Nice. Yeah. Should be good. A couple other things I want to talk about before. Normally we don't have like a news segment or anything like that, but this week was pretty cool because I think at the same time Mark Herman and Mitch Land got their designer copies of Pacific War and Vietnam 1965-75 respectively. I think GMT uh, must have sent a bunch out at the same time because I saw Into the Woods, the GBACW game that same day. Oh, really? Like, yeah. they're d- the designer of... Oh, nice. Yeah, that was just a picture on Facebook, but it was a picture okay. of the actual box. Ooh. It wasn't a, a video. Nice. And I I think I saw something on Pacific War, like, that we'd be looking, like, February for Pacific War. Do you, do you have that P500? Yes. Yeah. So, the the reason I'm bringing these up is both Mitch and Mark, or Mark Herman and Mitch Land, did designer unboxing videos. And uh, Mitch has a little note on his about typically not being a fan of unboxing videos, which is where I tend to fall unless someone's adding some kind of 
other information other than, hey, here's some blocks without stickers on it or, you know, something like that. So I just thought it was interesting. And then I'll, I'll also shout out Mike Nagel, who designed Captain C, and he's also the designer of Flying Colors. Uh, he has an unboxing for Captain C. And it's just nice to get the designers doing it because it's just that much more information and perspective that they can provide that someone who just, you know, pre-ordered the game and had it show up isn't able to provide. I will put show notes to, I'll put links to the videos, all three of those videos, Mark Herman's, Mike Nagel's, and Mitch's uh, Vietnam videos, because I thought they were yeah. all uh, pretty good. There's so much stuff in that Pacific War box. What is, it, yeah, what is the biggest box GMT makes? Is it three, mm. three and a half inches? I thought they Pacific had the Pacific War looked one. even bigger. If if they have a four inch box, it might that might be what's in Pacific War, because that box looks looked huge in the video. Now I'm curious. I know the blanks you can buy are those three inches. Uh, I don't know because I've never bought a blank from them. Yeah, neither way. Okay. <laughs> well, that doesn't help. I was going to see if it was listed on. Nope, I went to the wrong. I was going to see if it was listed. It's four inch box. Okay. Three rule books. Yeah, it looked huge. <laughs> Nine counter sheets. Wow. Yeah. Looks great. It's a monster. Really. Yeah, wait. that'll be a fun one to play for sure. Yep. Uh, oh, and then the last thing, which is pretty happy. Well, I don't know. I it, Everyone else should be happy to hear this, but uh, it's the season of Thanksgiving, and I am not shy about saying how just thankful and humbled every time we put out an episode, the amount of people that listen and interact with us, it's, it still far exceeds any expectations I ever had for the show. Um, we've had great patron supporters over the last year. And so what we're doing is we are giving away a $100 gift card to Miniature Market. The reason I chose Miniature Market is because Miniature Market was a fantastic sponsor of last year's Historic Fest. So that's why I'm going through them. If you live overseas or something like that, we can work with you. Or if you really are adamant about having a different uh, vendor, we'll make it work. Uh, but we're going to be giving away a $100 gift card. And you can enter in three different ways. Um first way is the typical just go leave us an itunes review i guess i'll just need i'll pull the names of everyone who's left us an itunes review and they'll be entered into the drawing the next easiest way is anyone who's, who's a patron before the our next end of the year episode goes live we'll get a drawing and then the third way is to like and retweet the show announcement of this episode on twitter with a comment on what your favorite game of 2021 was. And you can do all three. So, like, if you did all three of those things, you'd have three entries. Or if you just did the iTunes review and the tw Twitter thing, then, bam, that's that's two entries. Yeah, we got some work to do ourselves on trying to figure out our own favorite games of the year. Yeah, yeah. So, that's – and that's – I want to get those favorite game tweets in and collected before – next episode which rich just indicated we're doing our end of the year episode and compiling our games and doing all that fun stuff so i was th trying to think of like a fourth or fifth way people could enter but i couldn't come up with anything good so we'll just go with those come to your house and put a dollar in the mailbox mm -hmm. with your name written there, on you it. <laughs> there you go there yeah uh so yeah it's in you don't have to be a patron this isn't a, a way just to sucker you into you know being a patron you can do the other two routes it's perfectly fine um, just helping spread the show, leaving us reviews on iTunes, all that stuff helps. And this is just our way of uh, saying thank you in a way that we can. So, 
that is all the new stuff that I have. I don't normally do a lot of stuff in the front of the show. Usually I just like to dive into it. So unless so you have it, that's exactly right. Uh, let's talk about some games, yeah? Yeah, we should. I've got new games. Well, let's hear it. Uh, I picked up a copy of um, Battles from the Age of Reason, the Monmouth game. Nice. Um, so I Mitch got me hooked on that one. It was around this time last year, actually, the, the, the series. So I picked up Prague earlier this year, I think. And then I wanted... There's two American Revolution games in that series. One of them is Monmouth. They're both out of print. They're hard to find. But I saw it pop up on Facebook for uh, not not much money at all. So I, I picked that one up. Haven't played it yet, but I'm looking forward to that. What's the other American Rev game uh, in that series? See, you're going to ask me that, aren't you? Um, I want to say it's a it's a two it's a twofer. Let me find okay. it. Okay. So I'm just going to Google stuff online. Oh, it's Brandywine in Germantown. Yeah, there you go. I knew it was a double one. Yep. There you go. So I don't have that one yet. I just wanted I wanted at least one of the American Revolution ones. I didn't really care yeah. which one, so so I got Monmouth because it was the first one I found. Man, those those Rick Barber maps are just And and he doesn't do all of them, sorry, I was looking at because it looks like Charles Kibler does Fontenoy. So well anyways, yeah. all of the battles of the Age Regions maps I've I've ever seen are all gorgeous, so yeah, this one looks like the the map to Prague. It's got the exact same style and everything, and it is beautiful. So, And then the other game that's new to my shelf is 18 Mag. So it's an 18XX game in Hungary, um, and it's still in the shrink. It's sitting there. Who knows if I'll even play it on the table ever, but you know me in Hungary. If it's out there, i got to get it. So <laughs> I remember you saying that. This was a Kickstarter, right? It was, yeah. Yeah. I did not back this one, but I will... Uh... If you give me an opportunity, I will gladly play this with you. Yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah, I've been a busy boy, too. Um, so, first off, Rich, do you ever do the Board Game Geek Santa Grog? Uh, Santa Grog, is that like the 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 Secret Santa from BGG, yeah. or is that something uh -huh. different? Yeah, that's exactly I, what it is. I did it a couple years ago. Okay. So, I, I did it this year. And, and you already got something? I did, yeah. Oh, wow. It's oh yeah. They opened up, and then I think my gift made it to my guy on the Friday. It opened up, and I think it opened like I think we got our matches on a Tuesday. I was ready to go, and then I got a message that mine was on the way, so I was ecstatic. And something that has eluded me for a very long time, and that's uh, the Korean War. A pretty uh, nice copy about, of it the too. The Balkowski like, one. Yeah, yeah, oh, the cool. original, not the not the Compass Games one. Nice. So that was pretty awesome excited about that i i just had assumed and i think we've talked about it like hoping that the price would go down with the compass reprint and i just don't and i, I don't think it's very hard to find yeah um but I, it's not like people were unloading their copies like i hope they would yeah which is i guess that's interesting i i have seen vietnam 65 to 75 that that's pretty easy to find now whereas you know, a year, a year and a half ago before they announced the reprint, uh, that one was not as easy to find. So, yeah, and maybe it just it took so long for that to the Korean War from Compass to come out that, like, maybe there was a wave when it was initially announced. Mm -hmm. But then, I, I mean, that I feel like that game's been in development for as long as the podcast. So I could, I could be wrong. I want to say like I was watching Compass videos, their updates, and them talking about. The Korean War feels feels like it took forever to come out. Yeah. Uh, later on, we're going to talk a little bit about 
um, the Charles S. Roberts Awards, but one of the games that caught my eye from that was Verdun 1916 Steel Inferno, which was a Kickstarter, and I don't think I had heard this game referenced in passing or anything until the Char- the Charles S. Roberts Awards, and it it won four or five awards. Are you, yeah. are you familiar with this at all? Only in that you and I have briefly talked about it because, you know, same kind of thing. When it came out, it's like, oh, what's that game? And you were talking about, you were ex- expressing more interest than I was. So I, I heard about it from you more than anyone. So I, I grabbed a copy like the morning that the awards were announced because I think you can buy it from the French retailer uh, Fellowship of Simulations. And I don't think the shipping's too high or anything. So like the game can be found. It's just. Like, on eBay, there was a vendor that had U.S. copies, and they were running low, so I was like, well, I'm going to grab this. So, it's a it's a block war game, um, and it's just, it's got this, the art style and all the, it's card-driven block war game. I think it's supposed to be pretty straightforward. I was supposed to play on Thursday, but my opponent ended up canceling. Yeah. Um, looks gorgeous. Really intrigued by it. I don't think it's very intense i don't even think you don't sticker the blocks or anything like that so it's a block war game but it's not like there's hidden information or anything like that so well, that's a big plus right there if you don't have to sticker the blocks yeah i know we are i was stickering uh commanding color samurai which isn't even really that block intensive it's not like I, the four blocks of ancients boxes of ancients i need to sticker yeah um yeah, I will support not stickering because <laughs> I ro- I roped my wife into it while we watched them. <laughs> I could probably get my daughter to do it if I needed to. She likes doing stuff like that. There you go. Uh, another big winner for the Charlies was a game you really liked, which was Jaws of Victory. Oh, I love that game. You and didn't pick so, it up, did you? No, oh, okay. I didn't. <laughs> um, it's on my wish list now. Although it probably should have been when you talked about it. But um, in our patron live chat, we started talking about like, oh, what else has New England Simulations done? And they have a new game coming out called Winter's Victory that has one of the best looking maps I've ever seen. Is that a Finnish It's just a game? winter map. What's that? Is that a Finn game? No. No, okay. that's the... Because uh, you and Finns are like me and Hungary. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've got a story about that at a wedding last night. Um Someone mentioned their finish. I was like, oh, <laughs> buddy, you're going to regret that. It is, it's a Napoleonics game. And it's, uh, Bill Bill told us even how to pronounce it, the Battle of Prusich. I'll just, I'll just let you stay sure. on that one and I'll leave yep. you there. <laughs> yep, we'll just go with it. And, uh, and so then I started looking around. This is a long way of getting to the point of like Jaws of Victory led me to their website and then Winner's Victory and then Winner's Victory is part of a series of games. New England Simulations didn't have a lot. This is a long way of saying I picked up a copy of the Battle of Dresden. <laughs> that is a long way of saying it, but I'll, I'll yes. allow it. <laughs> well, it's all good stuff because I, I, as soon as Winner's Victory opens up for pre-order, I'm going to be all over that. Um, and this Battle of Dresden is a Napoleonics game in the same Battle of the Empire series. And so this is a brigade level Napoleonics, um, also with gorgeous maps. I don't, I haven't looked through the rules too much. I think it's like twenty four pages of rules or something like that. Gorgeous maps. Nice. So, yep. All of that just from the the Charlie Awards. And then the <laughs> last thing I'll mention is another block war game, partial block war game, 
uh, Captain C by Mike Nagel, which Mike Nagel's the designer I already mentioned of Flying Colors, which yep. is the GMT ship naval combat game. And this is a Legion game, uh, Legion War Games game that just kind of flew under my radar, and then I started seeing it like pop up on on Twitter. And it's just I don't think it's as involved as it's got minis, right? Colors. What's that? Minis? No, blocks. Oh, this one's blocks. Okay. Uh-huh. There was one I saw. I thought those, this was the one that had minis. Okay, so never mind. And I think it's got, like, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about it. And, like, I think there's uh, eight blocks for each faction, French, U.S., and Brits. Okay. Um, so it's 1800, 1815 is, is the time period. It just looks good. I yeah. mean, the, the presentation's nice, and that was enough for me to take a flyer on it without really knowing anything about it well let me know how that one plays because i'm interested in that one well so it's what's kind of cool about i was looking you know when i was on when i was ordering the game they have you know here's other stuff that mike nagel's designed and he's got a game called navarchoi which is a fleet game for the ancient world okay which I would like to see how that works. Like, is it interesting enough? I don't know. So sure. I'll be keeping an eye on that one. I don't know where that stands on the CPO status. But Legion's like a little snowball now for me. Now that we finally played DMBM Foo. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, Heart of Darkness. Oh, yeah. Let me, oh, let me see what else they get. And then, like, <laughs> the other day when I was getting Captain C, I had, like, four or five things in my car. I was like, no, no, no. You, you came here for Captain C. <laughs> Just get it and move on. Nice. Yeah. That was a that was a long, you know, lately it's just been like, no, I didn't really get anything. Yeah, it's kind of been like that. I mean, and the, the funny thing is everybody's starting to do their holiday sales now, but we weren't even suckered in by those and we still bought some stuff <laughs> that's right another that was another driving factor behind i was like well i wonder if legion will have a a holiday sale yeah uh, well before we talk about more games should we talk about some books yeah let's do looks like we're synced up no you read a different one than me you read sqpr oh, oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> whoops uh yeah so spqr as it's improperly typed in our show notes, A History of Ancient Rome by Mary Beard. And so our featured game this month is going to be Sword of Rome, which is very early Roman Republic. And and so the driving factor for me reading this book, and you tell me why why you are, I assume it's the same reason, is I wanted a, a book to cover the same time period for Sword of Rome. Most Roman Republic stuff is like, I, I would say from like around the time of the Punic War forward, so like 200s BC. And and so this is like, uh, Sword of Rome basically ends with the, the Punic Wars. Yeah. And so I, I went with her and um, because she starts out with Cicero and then jumps way back to the, kings the founding of Rome. Of Rome. Yeah. Right. How far are you in this? Um, I think I just finished the second chapter, The Kings of Rome. So okay. I just started it. Um, this one's been on my Audible wish list for a long time. It's just been sitting there. I knew it was one that I was eventually going to read. I was just kind of waiting for an excuse, you know, a time mm-hmm. that I was playing a game to go with it, uh, which is usually what I do. Um, in addition to Sword of Rome, uh, a couple local friends have been playing SPQR on Wednesdays. Mm. And they keep asking me to join them, but I, I haven't done – well – 
I, I watched them on Wednesday just online. Um, haven't actually played it yet, but SPQR has been on my list of games to play for a while. And then we played Sword of Rome. So I thought, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and read this book now. I'm, I am very surprised at how much I'm enjoying this. Yeah, it's good. I, it's well written. I, I, she, it, she keeps it entertaining. And what, you know, I, I kind of, the point about how most stuff kind of tends, what I was finding, I'm sure there's all kinds of stuff out there. What I was finding when I was looking for a book was covering different time periods because she's very, um, she makes a, a strong point of a lot of the history from the founding of Rome until, you know, 300s is mm-hmm. just the history isn't there. And a lot of it's right. myth and a lot of it's, you know, what really happened. And so I think that's why it's a lot easier to find later Republic stuff. But I'm I'm really enjoying this. It's very well written. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm right at the, like, in the midst of, like, the time period of the Sword of Rome stuff is where I'm at. So Nice. Um. It's good. I really like it. I'm going to keep with it. Um, I did pick up like a little book from Half Price Books that had a chapter on um, the time period of Sword of Rome. And I'm still going to go through it because it's got some maps and, and pictures. Cool. Um, but I, I didn't get a chance to pull it out ahead of time. And that's that's it for me not, as far as nonfiction goes. What about yeah. you? Um, the other book I'm reading, I've, I've said it before, usually I listen to one and I read a different one um, on paper. But the paper book I have actually just got last week. Um, John McManus is an author that I really, really like. And he's uh, he's got some local connections, local, at least in Missouri, if not St. Louis, but I think St. Louis too. So every time he puts out a new book, he comes here to St. Louis and he has a thing at the library where he you know, reads talks about it and stuff like that um i went to the last one when he put out fire and fortitude which is a history of the u.s army in the pacific world war ii um and it's i want to say it's got at least two volumes i think it's three volumes though but the second volume just came out and it's called island infernos uh the first book was just amazing the second book i just started reading but you know um Actually, right before we met up last weekend, the night before, I wasn't able to hear him go talk, but Mitch was nice enough to pick up a copy for me. So I've got that one and I'm reading it now. Nice. Yeah. There's, uh, he's got a lot of stuff here. Yeah, he's written quite a bit. Um, the only one I've read of his is Fire and Fortitude, and it's just, it's so, so good. It's a great book. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I mean, he, it seems like he's got all the, there's an Arnhem book, a D-Day book. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Arden. Yeah. yeah. I may have to look at him because I've uh I'll either you or you talking about him or Mitch posting pictures. Yeah. Um he's popped up. Yeah, Mitch is a fan a too. I'm a fan, so yeah, he's got huh. he's got a following. Cool. Uh should talk about some games. Yeah, let's do. You wanna go first? You want me go first. Yeah. So I've got two. One of them I won't spend a to- whole lot of time on, and that's Commands and Colors Samurai Battles. Did you get to play that Thursday? I did. I know you yeah. were talking about it. Okay. That's what I subbed in for Verdun. And it was it was great. So, you know, I I about hit my commands and colors fill with memoir after Historic Fest and playing that for so long on mm-hmm. Sunday. But it's just the the GMT games are much 
you don't have to play them as strategically sound as they <laughs> they at least offer the opportunity. And what I mean by that is just, there's just more rules involved in them. In in memoir, you can really just run around wherever the hell you want. You, you know, positioning doesn't really matter. <laughs> and there's really not that much more here. But at least if you wanted to, you know, yeah. you're rewarded for leaving your lines together and things like that. And the, the one thing that Samurai does, or two things, it inter- introduces um, kind of like a currency called Honor and Fortune. Okay. And, and so if you retreat, depending on the unit that retreats, you have to pay Honor and Fortune or you start losing guys. Okay. But at the same time, that currency pays for... And if you for... run out of that, is that auto loss or... No, no. That's If you run out and you retreat, you start taking losses. Okay. So you start with eight, and if you retreat three hexes, you're going to pay three but at the same time, you also pay Honor and Fortune to play these really cool cards called Dragon Cards. Um, and they're just things that you know break the rules or add strength to your guys. Generally, you want to play them. Do you, though, do you draw those randomly or are those additional cards that are not part of the, you know, like play left flank cards? They're a separate deck. You start okay. with some in your hand, depending on the scenario, how many. And then at the end of your turn, you can either get two Honor and Fortune or you can draw a Dragon Card. Okay. So it's not like there's even some cards in memoir where you like you have a choice between two decks. Um, right. This is you can like you always have the option of getting a dragon card without interfering with your command cards. Hmm. It's fun. I like it. I wish the currency was a little bit tighter. So you're like really like, oh, I want to play this command card, but that or dragon card, but that's going to leave me pretty low. Once we got a little later in the game, I felt like we had both built up a pool of honor and fortune. I never felt like threatened to be running out but it was yeah. fun i i really liked it for as far as the uh, commands and colors games goes. cool and then finally i have started playing victory games the civil war yeah here i don't want to i don't want to show my hand especially because <laughs> my hand isn't fully developed yet yeah There's i definitely three... want to hear your thoughts on this because everybody knows how you feel about the u.s civil war so that's right um if if you made me pick today it would still obviously be u.s civil war because i'm only three turns into this uh-huh. it is really cool yeah like especially we're playing with the far west map which doesn't matter how but far it's does like, it go um new mexico interesting yeah very I, interesting. I had no idea that the Civil War it touched that far west. Oh yeah, there's some there's some great passages in Shelby Foote's book about like the just like the raids on the different forts and okay, Albert, cool, Al, uh, Texas or um, what am I trying to say? New Mexico. Yeah. Um, I guess that makes sense. I played Deadlands, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I it's the activations are really cool and there's there's some options like there's the possibility that the turns go longer mm-hmm. um i definitely see where Simonich has drawn from this game um there are there's a lot of things i love about the Simonich game that aren't present here um but at the same time this also does things really well so when i think of turns that could go longer and honestly the first thing that pops in my mind is brave little belgium um, cause you have the opportunity to oh, extend yeah. your turn at the, at the cost of possibly doing, you know, atrocities. Um, is it like that or is it something else? It's something else. Okay. And it's real briefly, it's just like in U.S. Civil War, you roll, um, dice and the dice differential is 
in U.S. Civil War, that tells you how many actions you're going to take. Right. And in, in, in the U.S. Civil War, maybe it's just the way you think about it. But in my mind, especially if I'm playing the Union, I think I'm supposed to have five. So anything less feels like they're taking away from me <laughs> rather than the maybe I'll get more than the two that I'm guaranteed. And so here's where you may like the Civil War because that dice differential uh-huh. is only the number of actions you take before you re-roll the dice. You get command points. You pick like a primary theater, a secondary theater, and then like a, a lowest priority tertiary theater. And then you have the far west as well on top of that. And so oh. just for example, you get six command points in your primary, four in your secondary, and one in your tertiary. And so that dice differential, if your dice differential is three, is how many command points or actions, because there's some actions that don't cost command points, you take before you reroll the dice. So okay. you may have 10 command points total across the United States for that turn, excluding all the reinforcement stuff, which we're not going to get into. But So let's just say you have 10. Dice differential is three. You're going to spend three of those 10. So you have seven remaining. Then you're going to roll the dice again. Okay. And that's your new how many you have to spend, which you have to spend the dice differential. And if you ever roll the same number, then you, then you like reset the um, how many command points you have. And so that's how it could go longer. Interesting. Are command points the same everywhere or is like Lee more or less than someone else? Uh, yeah. So, no, it depends on what you're trying to do. So okay. the the leaders, um, is it their initiative rating, whatever the rating is, that's how much you spend okay. to activate a leader or an army. Or you can just activate an SP or, you know, like building okay, a fort sure. is three. So Cool. Yeah, I I really like it. Like it's, I mean, um, you know, spoiler alert for whenever we finally get on the list, it, it'll do well. Um, yeah. But it, I I need to see way more of it because we're we're just now hitting where Kentucky will um, flip to Union. Okay. So it's early. Nice. Yeah. Another Civil good. War game. I love anything set in a place that I know. <laughs> that's right, and that's and so there's another thing. Like it still gets. It checks some of those boxes, which are what you just said, and those are reasons why I like the U.S. Civil War so much. Because oh, look at this place on the map. Right. Oh, Kansas City's on the map. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the last, I think the last thing I played uh, since last time we recorded, which um, we played at Valhalla Games in Columbia, Missouri, Missouri, which yeah, was your a brilliant idea. Missouri KC meetup. That was fun. Yeah, it was. It was a good time. And we, we wrapped up the day with a Grand Prix. Yeah. Um, yeah, we played together. So it's sort of a series. I was actually looking and I think Grand Prix and Thunder Alley and Apocalypse Road, I think are all loosely based on each other. Obviously different settings, but close enough. But we played Grand Prix, which is, I'm not like a, a car guy. So is that is that F1 or what yeah. is that? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it was fun. I mean, even not being a car guy, I'm, I know an, you know, I know enough to play the game. So it was interesting. I, I had a good time with it. I think, honestly, I think that would be a good family game. I could see that. Like, it's 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 so easy to grok. And there's like no nobody has to read the rule. Well, I guess one person has to read the rules. But I mean, you can sit five people down and they can just play the game in ten fifteen minutes or something. So yes. it was fun. I, re- I really liked it as well. I did um, – Rex, who who attended the, the meetup with us, made a really good point. 
and I think Mitch agreed that you see that it's based off the bones of a NASCAR game mm-hmm. and unless it wasn't an F1 game built up from scratch. And I admittedly have much more, although not much, interest in F1. Like NASCAR is not my thing. But Apocalypse Road, <laughs> I hope Santa brings Apocalypse Road yeah. because... I know Mitch, he wanted to play that earlier this year. I can't remember if it was at Donkey Kong or a game day or whatever, but he was talking about that game before and we we just never got it to the table. Which if you guys don't know, it's it's this system, this racing system, but now you strap machine guns yeah. and rockets <laughs> onto your cars, which is just like Grand Prix is wide Max. enough. What's that? It's like Mad Max. Yeah, yeah, and you're just blowing cars yeah. up, which sounds awesome. And I didn't think I'd have any interest in it, but then like once I see how Grand Prix works, it's like, oh yeah, this would be really cool because it it's not a game, it's not a it's not a war game, and it's not you will block people and your car will get left behind. And I think it's fine to also just yeah. throw in, let's blow some stuff up. Yeah, the thing I thought it really really cool about it. So it's it's a it's a card game and it's hurt. It's a heart. You play cards, but you got in addition to like your two cars that you care about where they score, you have control of other cars. And then there's a couple neutral cars that you could control as well. So it's really about saving the best cards for your guys and using the other cards for the other guys. So I may be wrong, but I, I don't think Thunder Alley has those. Oh, neutral really? Okay. Team cars. Because the, the card part of it is why I thought it would be so accessible, you yeah. know, to just throw it on on the table sometime. Because anybody can look at it and go, oh, I'm going to move eight. I'm going to move four, whatever. I'm going to move this whole line four. Right. And that's, and yep, it's good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I have it. Um, I, I probably won't get Thunder Alley as well. But yeah. uh, Mitch was also saying you could play any of the Apocalypse Road you can play Apocalypse Road on any of the maps. Like you could do it on, you know, the F one map instead of Sure, yeah. Yeah, they're still around. Post apocalyptic <laughs> wasteland, the tracks are still there. Sure. <laughs> nice. Um, and then you in and then the week after that you, you had St. Louis Hugs? Yeah, yeah. We had our monthly game day today. We had a pretty good turnout. Um the last few have not been great. Um, really since COVID. I mean, we haven't had a big day. This has been our big day, biggest day since we started coming back. Not that COVID is gone, but you know, since uh June, July, whenever we started meeting again at Miniature Market, this has been our biggest day. I think we had seven people there today, so um but we played it was it was a BCS day. So we had a couple people that played one of the desert games, either, either, sure. yeah, one of them. I wasn't there for that game, so I don't remember which one they were playing. But and then four of us played uh, Panzer's Last Stand, which nice. is the newest one. Um, it's the one that I'm crazy about because again, it's Hungary. So um, two of us knew how to play, and two of us were learning the game. So it was it was great learning experience. We just split up the formations. I every time I play BCS, I'm I'm starting to think that's my favorite series. Wow. It's, it's just so good. Um, I mean, everything about it, the, the activations are very compartmentalized. So it's easy to just, you know, hop in, do your activation, figure out, you know, these, their job for today is to take this crossroads. And um, Panzer's Last Stand in particular has a whole new activation system different from any of the previous BCS games. So, oh. 
you get a limited number of activations. You get some that are primary and some are their secondary. So the secondary activations, uh, they don't even have an opportunity for a second activation. But you can also spoil guys. So if a guy hasn't activated yet and you can inflict a step loss on him, then basically it hurts his snafu number and there are guys that don't get activated at all unless they get attacked. Uh, there's just a lot of new cool things in Panzer's Last Stand. I'm just enjoying the hell out of it. I actually took it off my table because I was bringing it to the game day. And I thought, well, I'm going to put something else up. And I played it today. And I thought, no, this is going right back on the table. Nice. So That's a good sign. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's worth noting, I believe you could still go... And you mentioned this on Chance of Gaming. I think you can still... The countdown has expired, but I think you can still get the early bird discount for Aerocourt, which is the smaller game, the quote-unquote learning yep. or introductory uh, BCS game, Battalion yeah. Combat Series. It's a one-mapper, and it's actually even got bigger hexes, which I think is interesting. I will put a link to the show notes into that. I don't know how long that'll stand up, but the price is still up for but the countdown has stopped. So, Yeah. I haven't played BCS all the way through yet. Um, I've played I've played a few of the scenarios, um, and I've played maybe... I played Conrad 1 and 2. Probably the furthest I've got into the game was five or six turns, but I think I am going to go ahead and do full campaign just because uh, another thing that's new to this game is they've got some new urban warfare stuff, and I want to kind of get to the end of the campaign into Budapest to see how that plays. Nice. Yeah. <sighs> That's got to be a 2022. At least get one of the. We got to get a BCS game on the list in 2022. Oh, yeah. Market, yeah. market folks on our to do list along with everything else. Oh, yeah. All right. Should we play a little game? Do we have a game? Is it the war game, 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 game? That's right. Game, game, That's war right, game. That's right, folks. <laughs> it's the game of war games. It's the war game game. Well, it's going to be our- quick because I already know what it is. All right, let's hear it. First King guess. Make, Kingmaker. No, that's funny. Damn. Uh, <laughs> man, I almost... Someone posted like a Kingmaker game. I mean, I'm like looking for obscure Avalon Hill stuff because I know that's there's a good chance that that's what you're going with. <laughs> Kingmaker was on my mind. Someone posted like a rethemed Kingmaker in a different setting. And yeah. I was just falling down that rabbit hole this week or last <laughs> week or something. That's funny. Yeah, we're on the same page. All right, there's Rich's first guest. Um, if you're new to the war game game, Rich is going to get somewhere between 10 and, well, <laughs> depending on when he gets the clue right, one to 10 clues yeah. um, to guess a game, and that's how many points he gets. Yep. Um, and so he gets free guests, swing and a miss. We'll go with, this game was published in 2016. Oh, a new one. Yeah. Nice. That's it? I thought you were going to say buy someone. Oh, no, no. Actually, you won't get that for a while. (laughs) All right. 2016, the U.S. Civil War. No, but I I think U.S. Civil War is a 16 game. That's what I thought. The game was designed by Francois Mullen. Oh, boy. M-E-U-L-E-N. I've never heard that name. Um, Let's go with uh, Austerlitz 1805. No. Only because I know that's a Hexasim game, and I think they're French. <coughs> and apparently a, a French topic as well. The art was done by Mr. Mullen and Michael Monfront. No, not Roger B. McCowan. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Or Simonich. Um, let's see. 
There's one, I think it's called Napoleon's Last Triumph. Mm. Is that it? No. No. All right. Good guess, though. Number seven, the time period of this game spans from 1582 to 1600. Ooh, older. Okay. So 1582 to, is that 30 years war is after that, I think. So this would be like between the wars of the Reformation and the 30 years war, I think. Who is fighting in 1582? Maybe it was 30 years war. Is it won by the sword? Nope. No. The the name of the game means unity under the sky. Unity under the sky. So you told me the name if I only know what damn language it's in. That's <laughs> That almost seems like too easy of a clue, except that I'm clueless. <laughs> <laughs> unity under the sky. Unity de la Soleil. I don't know. Nice. <laughs> no. Um, good guess. So clue five. All right. The game takes place in Japan. Oh, Japan. <sighs> yeah, you knew I didn't know Japanese. <laughs> it's in 2016, though. I know there's a new Japanese game coming out. We talked about it last month. It's based on the... Uh, uh, what was it based on? It was based on another system. I'm just stalling now. This is a <laughs> Japanese game in 1580, which is why I don't know anything about it. It's not Sekigahara. Sekigahara. No. No, I, didn't, I knew it wasn't, but I'd feel really stupid if like three clues from now it was Sekigahara. <laughs> <laughs> well, the game does cover... Um, three battles at the end of the Sengoku Jidai period. One of them being Sekigahara. The other two were Yamazaki and Nagakute. N-A-G-A-K-U-T-E. Is this a, is it a GBOH game? Uh, so I'm gonna say GBOH Samurai. Nope. No. Okay. There is this... a GBOH game in that period. I think it's just called Samurai. I believe so yeah um this is a direct sequel to a game that was called kawa nakajima 1561 oh god <laughs> i'm gonna go through all 10 aren't i uh i i'll pass i can't think of anything okay um, clue two this <laughs> game was designed by hexasim so I was right, man. You I had so Hexasim at the beginning. You when you right said away. French, I had. Yeah, but yeah. I, I don't. I can't. I don't know any Hexasim games in Japan. So you can't. You can't imagine it, huh? I can't. No guesses. Okay. No. No guesses. No. Go and give me my last clue. Give me All my. Right. Give me my what it rhymes with clue, and I'll still miss it. <laughs> yeah. This this game rhymes with uh, Schminka Roitsu. I'm still gonna miss it. Um. <laughs> Jenka <laughs> Doitsu. No, it's uh, Tinka Toitsu. Oh, wow, yeah, I, I thought I, I thought don't you know knew that about game. this game. No, I don't know that game. I'm oh, learning man, all these new things. Rich. Yeah, you what's it called it again? Up. Say it again, so I'm not laughing. Tinka Toitsu. Tinka Toitsu. N K A T O I T S U. And actually, I've been pressure- pressuring our our buddy uh, Caleb. Oh, you know what? I've seen this cover. So oh, now that I look it up One on BGG, of... I can, yes, the cover's beautiful. I think actually I meant to give it a clue. I meant, damn it. I meant to <laughs> like early on put in a clue that was, um, 
was going to be this game is sold by GMT to really throw you off, but yeah, I don't think I needed it. Well, yeah, and Hexasim. I mean, that probably wouldn't have thrown me off that much because I know of the Hexasim right. GMT relationship. So, I will say that the the Tinkatoitsu cover is easily one of the best war game covers. Oh out yeah, there. it's beautiful. So, have you played this game? No, but okay. like I said, I've been pressuring Caleb to do it because I've had it for a while and it's on. It's been almost it's almost hit the table a few different times and is it is it three is it kind of a three and one where it's just the three battles in the game yeah i think you can play any of them okay yeah there's three different maps one for each one for each battle and it just looks gorgeous so it looks good it's got that um i don't know what you call it but the hexes they just have the vertices uh-huh. rather than the whole hex yeah that can be a nice little art feature. It can look nice on the table, yeah. Yeah, it does look nice. Yeah, it looks like the, the counter sheet has like the pre... I don't know what you call it again, but the pre-trim counters where you don't cut them out and trim them, but you punch them out and they're already rounded. Kind of yeah, like and then in, they uh, got the side nibs. Kinda, yeah, I think Legion does that too, so yeah. All yeah. Right. So now I know, yeah. I've definitely seen... When I saw the cover, I've seen it before, but I really don't know anything about this game. But you've played the Napoleon's Eagle series, right? I have, played, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I played uh, Austerlitz. Yeah. Okay. Well, I I really wow. thought I was throwing you a, a an easy one, but so make sure you uh you hit us up on Discord. Let us know how bad you beat me. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a listener question, and uh, someone got the Storm over Arnhem one. I think faster than Mitch. Nice. Which makes him the new champion. Instantly dethrones me. That's right. That's after right. After one year. Because <laughs> we only care about what you did last. <laughs> right. That's right. Uh, shall we get on with the main attraction? Yeah. This is what everybody's waiting for. Everybody skipped ahead to this point in the podcast. That's right. And we'll go back and listen to the giveaway <laughs> details if you are here. Uh, Sword of Rome. A 2004 game, which was a little surprising to me. Uh, from GMT Did Games. Did it feel older not... or newer to you? I thought it was more recent. Okay. Um, and it had been reprinted. Like, there was a second printing that came with the fifth player stuff. Designed by Ray Farrell, who did, or Farrell, um, who did Time of Crisis, the same time period-ish mm-hmm. um, deck builder. And it is a four or five player, or I'm, I'm assuming you could play less, but I... I I wouldn't want to play this game with less than four people. I no. can't imagine you would. It's built for four or five with the expansion. Right. Um, covering early Roman Republic. It's a card-driven game, much like Paths of Glory, if you're familiar with that. And each player is controlling uh, Rome, Greece, Gauls, and then a combination of the Etruscans and Samonites. And then if you throw in the fifth player, then you have Carthage. Yeah. So this is 362 to 272 BC. I I don't even know where to where I was going to start with this. I was immediately going to jump. I would jump. start with the cards. Um, there's a couple different kinds of card games. So one that you might be familiar with is Coin, where everyone shares the same deck. But the cards on the cards is sort of a preference for each player. But in this game, it's more like Passive Glory, where every player has his own card deck. Yes. And that's, as I was going to say, like, one of the things I like about this is having your own unique deck with, it's not a card that prefers Rome, 
it's a card built for Rome, and yes. even there, activate a minor power, activate Carthage, or activate um, the the Transalpine Gauls or the the other guys right there by Rome that you can activate. Um, they're different for each faction, so factions like Greece can't activate Carthage. Right. Yeah, they're pretty it, heavily weighted for each faction. So I played right. the Gauls, and I had uh, a, a significant number of activate Carthage cards. In fact, there was one turn where I was able to actually <laughs> do it twice in a row, which was nice. It's it's point to point. You know, just looking at big picture stuff, it's a point to point game where you are trying to capture victory point cities. Um, they're red on the map. The Gauls are a little bit different. They're trying to raid and can pick up points mm-hmm. that way. But ultimately, what you're trying to do is hold those cities, and then you score at the end of the round. So you may run into Rome and hold it for 99% of the turn, um, but we look at the round at the at the end and see who holds it, and then you, you start at eight points or whatever, and if you have three yeah. cities, you're going to pick up three points, and then and the next round- turn you're going to pick up three points again. And the round is, what, five turns? Um... I think that's what it was. Yeah, because you would keep two. You could yeah. potentially keep two cards. Yeah, five five card plays per faction. Yeah, is one turn. Everyone plays a little differently. I played the Gauls, which was super fun because the Gauls don't hold any cards. They just discard their entire hand. They have different scoring system. Uh, you played was it the Samnites and the Etruscans? Mm-hmm. which are actually two allied factions and you get to play both of them. So everyone, everyone plays a little differently. They all feel different. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I think it was a nice, nice amount of asymmetry. I think it's also, um, you know, just like before, like getting into the details, just big picture wise, I think it's a game you have to be okay getting slapped around at different points. <laughs> yeah. Because the cards are, you can't, like, you can't buddy up with someone and and never take them down a notch or two because they'll just run away with it. You know, once someone's earning two points every turn, they're going to win. Yeah, it gets cumulative pretty fast. Right. And so, and then it's the It's definitely cards a stomp just, on the leader game. For sure. And the cards don't let you play nice or, and so you you have to be okay with people messing with what you're trying to do because the cards are just so mean you know just be like all right this card will you know seal two strength points from rich and i i get them now yeah and there's just a lot of that in the decks and i think if you have that mindset like things are not gonna go my way and yeah. people will mess with me screwing your neighbor is not a side effect of this game i mean that's that's, <laughs> right. that's, that's a that's main well mechanic said. of the game yeah and so go with that in mind, and then just be in the right lo- mindset. I really, I really like this. Oh yeah, I had I had so much fun. Um, before I had ever ever played this game, um, we've talked before quite a bit about Here I Stand because I play it a lot, um, and I've heard many. I've heard people tell me before because my main complaint about Here I Stand is that it's gold at six, and anything less than six, I don't want to play it at all. So I've been told by other people, if you have six for Here I Stand and one person drops out last minute, you play Sword of Rome. And now I understand why they say that. Because it scratches that same itch. It's a lot shorter game. It, it doesn't have the depth of Here I Stand. But it, I'm sure we didn't play five player. We played four. But either four or five, it's going to be just as good. Yeah, I can see that. And I would be happy. Like I wouldn't be like, oh, man, I'd be okay You know, dropping down into into that i think it it could go long 
I guess if you played with like people who really knew what they were doing and really denied yeah. victory points. Well, and we, we saw that a we little inter- bit. We extended it by one or two turns yeah. past when it could have ended. Right. Because Mitch was one. We like all jumped on Mitch, who was greased, to block his win. But the writing was kind of on the wall because, it, it, you know, he, he, because your points are cumulative, as long as he's still net plus one instead of losing points, you know, he's going to be hovering at that one point till he wins anyways yeah um you know combat is really straightforward it's just your leaders and based off how many guys you have in the stack it will depend whether a four five or six results in a hit um yeah everything's a simple die roll uh yeah the, the you winner roll three dice the winner gets better results than the loser but you can it's it's very possible to lose the battle and still kind of achieve your objective from it in mm-hmm. this game. If, if I'm thinking in term, I mean, there's not a lot of nitty gritty detail to go into here. You know, like when we're, you know, we're talking like Zoc bonds or, you know, train effects charts last month with Holland, uh, 44 here. It's just, you have this power and you have very limited resources, both in, you know, you want three cards to be able to do the most things. So you don't have a lot of those and you don't have a lot of strength points and you only have so many leaders and you're only taking five actions a turn. Mm -hmm. And so you, you are constrained in what you can do and it's, you don't have to worry about, you know, a million different stacks or anything. You just have your power and you are trying to grab those victory point cities. Or if you're the Gauls, obviously it's different. Uh, kill people and raid and so it's it's a very it's actually a very straightforward game there's there's not a lot of complexity here yeah but one i thing, think there is fun and deep rewarding gameplay even oh, without yeah. the complexity one thing i liked about this game that i have not seen i've seen similar things but i haven't seen this in any other game is every player has two oh shit cards <laughs> you know they're called i can't remember exactly what they're called but that's basically what they are desperate times desperate times yeah and you can play them to interrupt anyone's action um you can play them pretty much anytime you want and each one does a slightly different thing or you can use either one to just play as a, a three op card which is like the highest op card but i thought that was really cool because every player has two of those um you only get those two for the whole game so that's like you know when do I want to play these? When is it going to be most effective? Um, I I just I really liked that about this game. Yeah, and I thought you know the the added layer there is they're they're called desperate time cards, but there's no limit on when you can play them. Meaning you can also play them to make sure you get that victory point when you need it or want it most. Yeah. Now you're burning that card, um, but hey, you're getting a victory point and no one else is, and that's a pretty big advantage the only turnoff for me in this game is which makes sense now that i you know i'm reading spqr like how when rome was starting out like their their battles were like 12 miles away you know the, and so this is obviously later than that but everything is so fractured and choppy in this game oh sure it's I think, you know you have to you have to move and then stay in that spot and then flip the control. You can't 
lesson I learned is like I'm two hexes deep in Gaul country and I have the victory point hex, but I didn't, you know, stop on a hex, put down my control marker and then go do battle. I rushed into battle and then like I, I had to go clean up yeah. before Cause you I can't, lost them. You can't take political control of something while you're moving and attacking through the country. It's going to have right. to be a separate turn during which time the your opponent might be taking their next action to undo everything you just did. So yes. there are a lot of times in this game where it's hard to make progress because you can only do certain things and then your opponent will have a chance to undo what you just did. And I th- I think it's you can make the progress. You just have to be intentional about it and really just kind of focus on that. I think my problem was I saw the Gauls, who are really just supposed to be running around raiding and burning everything. Mm-hmm. I saw those victory cities like, ooh, easy. Yeah. <laughs> but they're so isolated you have to move your political control markers out there or it's going to go away at the end of the turn and you have to drop off soldiers along the way to sort of garrison if you want to take political control which makes your army less effective yeah i just think in general i mean more than anything this is a screw your neighbor game and and those games in general seem to be um i think like you said fractured is kind of a good word for it um in that it's hard to you know, alliances, <laughs> they don't really mean anything. They, they're they they're temporary, and anytime you ally with someone, it's basically just waiting for one of the other, you know. You're not necessarily going to break the alliances, so you can use them to basically say, promise me you won't attack me this turn. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's always, always, always going to be, your neighbor is never going to be your friend in this game. For sure. And I, that's a big tick. Like, I love the politicking here. And you can make alliances at the start of every turn, or or uh, sorry, you can make alliances during the active player's mm-hmm. turn. They can make alliances. Alliances automatically, or at the end of the turn, can you can decide not to renew them. Yeah. Or if you break them in the turn, there's a penalty. It could be steep. We didn't have any break. But I don't think anyone like, ever broke an alliance that uh, way. And it was three, basically like three political influence you have to remove or reduce somewhere on the map. Yeah. Um, but we had tons of politicking and negotiating, and it never it never bogged the game down, I feel like. Like, we didn't have long, lengthy discussions. Yeah. It was really just trying to convince someone, you know, I wish we had played this before our top five politicking games. This would probably jump up there. Definitely. And it was really just like, trying to convince everyone to and and we got i got some of this with rex is like hey you need to move those guys on to stop mitch it's like no you need to go right. do that for <laughs> mitch and i'm gonna do this yeah and there were lots of times where like it's my turn and you're saying to me hey do you want to ally and i'm like no i don't really want to ally because i want you to still be worried about what i might do <laughs> <laughs> so and and i remember one specific turn i was like on the outskirts of rome i was playing the gauls so my, my my whole job in that game is just to raid so i was on the outskirts of rome not rome itself but roman territory and and i don't even remember what you did but you pissed me off so instead of going down and <laughs> sacking rome i just turned right back around and hit you instead yeah <laughs> It's it's good. It was yeah. fun stuff. You know, like we had one Greece Greeks conquered Rome for a turn. Yeah. Um, and the whole time, which, yeah, Mitch, who played Greece, he's like, "You need to be sacking those cities." And I'm like, "Okay, first of all, 
you're not my friend. <laughs> you're trying to screw Rome over, which is why you want me to hit them. But yes, I know that's how I get my victory points, but it was interesting. I had a great time. I Yeah, I really liked it. Um, I don't want to, you know, reveal how I, I feel about this compared to here I stand yet. Um, but I, I can say that I, I like this significantly more than his other game, Time of Crisis, just because... Oh, yeah. Again, and I've said it before, I like the mechanics of Time of Crisis. What I don't like is I don't feel like I don't have an identity in that game. And because I can pop up wherever in the map, you know, I can be over in uh, Alexandria and then, you know, show up in Spain. It just doesn't it just here. Now that I've actually read something about the Etruscans and Samnites, like, yeah, that makes sense. Like they were super rich. And then, obviously, like, the Gauls seem to be like the Gauls. Rome seems very Roman. And, like, the Greeks have great military, but they have to pay political consequences. Right. Um, and have to deal with Carthage. Because um, the Greek and, leaders aren't necessarily all for Greece. They're more for themselves. <laughs> themselves, yeah. Um, so, I really like, you know, just comparing it to time of crisis, I like that I feel like my faction. Yeah. Another game that I would compare this to is Genesis. Um, it has some of the same feeling as mm. Genesis to it. Yeah, I um, I think that's a, a fair comparison. I assume that if if you could do that, then you could probably do that with Pax Romana, which I've not played. I haven't um, played that one. That that's an interesting comparison. They're probably about the same for me, except the the big thing that I that in Genesis the alliance rules are so rigid yeah you have to have a specific card and here the fact that you can negotiate every turn as the game state changes is a big plus yeah and genesis is more so there's there's more opportunities to activate the minor power in this one carthage is really the only minor power that consistently gets activated and if we played five player i'm really not sure how that would work because we used the four of us used, used Carthage a lot, whereas in Genesis, you're activating minor powers a lot more to, you know, basically force your opponents to guard their rear. Yeah, I wonder if it's like, would that change if, like, if you were running away with the game, would that, and I, when I activated the Transalpine Gauls, I did not play them how they're supposed to be played. I think they're supposed to be a thorn in the side of the Gauls, counter raiding. Yeah not as an, a military force, which is right. how I tried to use them. So if you were running away with it, would that mean that we'd see more Gauls? Because Carthage was certainly used as a threat first against me, which was a load of bullshit that <laughs> Carthage was fighting everyone's shadow war against the Samnites, which is just they, ridiculous. They were my most effective military force for a while. For sure. <laughs> and then... When at the, then when their sights changed on Mitch, he would cancel their activations, which is another like card in the game. Yeah, and so like, does that change with if they're an actual player? Well, no. What I meant is, does it change if like if we need to change our focus? Like, does the goal do the goals become more important? I mean, what what's the other one? They got knocked out so fast. The, oh, that's right. Which is the, I forgot about uh, them because bolt. all of my activation cards were either the Car Carthage or whoever it was that got knocked out in like the first turn. What is the name of that faction? 
Yeah, I had forgotten about them because they got knocked out so fast. Let's see if I can find one. They're on just code. a. Yeah, I was trying to. There was an image here, but I I can't make out their name. I don't know if there's really much else to say about it. Um, it's again just like I'd say here I stand, and well, probably just here I stand. It's a game more about the politicking and timing your shot at the right time. Yeah. And less so about the battles. It's not a very heavy game. It's no. it's easy to pick up. Looks good on the table. I mean, I mean all that all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, we had people like, coming by asking about us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was uh like a, a Pathfinder society going on and so uh yeah uh any other thoughts on it should we rank it oh i guess you know we didn't i guess we talked a little bit about the history but this is really just a time period where rome is starting to gain traction and so it's not like we need to give a battle report or anything like that i i think that the the beard book is a great place to go if you want to pair a book up with this now i saw you listed Dan uh, Death Throws of the Republic. Yes. Yeah. Which is more about internal stuff in Rome, but it covers the same time period. And it's Does really it? Because so. that was going to be my question. Because I thought that started with um, um, the. I thought that started later. And, uh, and their names it, are escaping me. It might be a little, little later, but it's okay. it's the end of the Roman Republic. It's like before the time of. leading up to the time of Caesar. So. Okay. And so this is early, early, yeah. but I mean, everyone, I've still not really listened to Dan Carlin ever. I'm sure it would still be a nice supplement just to even get more Rome, you know, history. Um, yep. There is good flavor text on the, the cards, which I enjoyed. Okay. Uh, should we rank it? We should. All right. So we have a list of every war game ever made. And Rich and I, one game at a time, sometimes two games at a time if we do more than one, uh, rank war games on that list until, and we will continue to do so, until we've ranked every single war game ever made. So at the top of the list, if you're just listening to the show for the first time, is the U.S. Civil War. And way down at the bottom of the list, currently at number 42, is Zeppelin Raider. Yeah. Now this is an interesting time of year, too, because every game on this list is nervous. Because yes. next month it could change. I I already did an initial, <laughs> uh, like ranking using the Pub Meeple ranker. Yeah. I just put like the list in there and and went through it and like I took out the games that only you had played. Mm-hmm. And there I have a couple um that either swing up or down. Like if they go up one or two, I don't. I just right. throw it out. Um, but there was there were some that like moved eight that I gotta really reconsider. Uh, so I think the obvious ceiling, I guess I, so now we can talk about this with, with here I stand. Yeah. Um, because to me here I stand is the ceiling. Yes. I I would say, yes, I would, I was going to say the same thing here. I stand is the ceiling and it's a good comparison, but here I stand is a better game. Yeah. I really, I do wish now that I've played this, I would love a here I stand experience where everyone had their own deck. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Um, just Which for, for people that flavor. don't like CDGs, that's the most common complaint I hear about them in general. It's like, why does, you know, Luther getting married mean that I can move my navy into the yeah. Atlantic Ocean? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, as far as floors go, I don't. 
Um, you don't have Genesis. If we're talking other four-player games, it's Angola. I mean, the, uh, below that is Time of Crisis, which would be the definite floor, because I've already said this is better than Time of Crisis. Yeah. Um, so just a few spots up from that is Angola, uh, which is a four-player game as well. And this is way better. Uh, moving yeah, up, so 1754. 34, a, here I stands 11. So if we just jump in the middle, uh, go back to my computer programming days, and we'll start in the middle and compare it there. So um, so 22 is last 100 yards. That's in the middle of those two. Oh, yeah. I was thinking right above that Imperial Struggle, just because there's another game that also has you know political and mm-hmm. markers in control. Ooh. I think that's the right spot. See, this is tough. Yeah. And then, I guess an, another game that compares well, really well what to this. What about Honor Christian Soldiers? That's right. Exactly. And I, rules issues aside, on the way home when Rex and I were driving back to KC, we talked a lot about Honor Christian Soldiers. Mm-hmm. And I would I would say Honor Christian Soldiers, this is under Honor Christian Soldiers. Okay. Sounds fair. That's one I want to play. So here's here's another point, um, and I'm going to throw this one out there because I think this one is not going to be 25 next month, Empire in Arms. Oh. So Empire in Arms is no, currently number 25. I think that possibly a Prussian guy was a little salty when he raided that game. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that one might move up. So that'd be another one to throw in there as a sort of multiplayer politicking game. Okay, well, is this better than Empire and Arms? <laughs> um, on the fun factor, yes. Is it a better game? I think Empire and Arms is probably a better game. But mm. I think let's leave Empire and Arms out of the discussion okay. for now. Okay, fair Because enough. I think a better comparison is going to be Onward Christian Soldiers. To this? To, to uh, Sword of Rome, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, I really like Onward Christian Soldiers. Yeah. Uh, this is not as good as I'm on Christian Soldiers. Now, what I will say, you could play this with one person knowing the game, which what we did, and have a great experience. Onward Christian Soldiers, I think a majority of your players should have at least experienced different game components to see them carry out to know how bad things can get for you. Yeah. Because there's no... Once a bad thing happens to you in Armored Christian Soldiers, there's no reinforcements that well for for the Europeans. So Armored um, Christian Soldiers, deeper, heavier, you think? Yeah, yeah. Strategically. Yeah, sort of lo- in, Rome. What yeah. I liked about Sort of Rome is, I mean, it's not it's not a filler game by any means, but it feels very light in a yeah. good way. I I I think I think a good comparison is Imperial Struggle. Yeah, obviously different games, but. Like they're just you know how do you generally feel about ah, man but below if I had, struggles last hundred yards which is yeah if I had one person you know in this mythic you know, made up world one person that said to me hey do you want to play Imperial Struggle or three people that said do you want to play Sword of Rome I play Sword of Rome what if you had one person saying do you want to play this or, or last hundred yards. Or, or same thing, but with the last hundred yards. I play sort of wrong. Interesting. Okay. Uh, my gut is, it's. You're probably right. Like my gut is. Oh, this isn't better than last hundred yards. 
but I think it is. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, okay, so above Imperial Struggle, we have Sekigahara. Another card-driven game, yeah. but vastly different in how it uses those cards. I think Sekigahara is better. I think I like this one at 21. Yeah. Sekigahara really picked up a lot of points for me this year. Because um, above that is Axis Empires. And there you go, four people. If, mm-hmm. if three people came up to me and said, do you want to play Sword of Rome or do you want to play Axis Empires? The tricky thing is I think I would say Sword of Rome. But Axis Empires is probably the better. Game. Yeah. I think it's it's a couple different axes. I think it's, yeah. it's fun oh, yeah. factor versus depth. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm good with that. I'm good with slotting it in between Sekigahara and Imperial Struggle. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, I really liked Imperial Struggle, by the way, when I was going through the list. That was one we had uh, earmarked uh, until I actually played a full game of it, uh, which I've since done. Yeah. I think it's I think its spot on the list is probably fair. I mean, we it's probably sense. a discussion for next month. After but, all, uh, we're, not, I liked we're it. not deciding these things. That's right. We're just merely revealing yeah. the wet clay. Yeah. All right, nice. So the, the problem is that you bought, you got four new games on your shelf this month, and I got two more games on my shelf this month, so that's at least six more games that have to be reviewed. Right, plus the 43 <laughs> equal to the 43 we've ranked. Yeah, we'll be at it for a while. Yep. Plus, played new games, too. So they'll they'll get discussed at some point. And then, you know, I, I will mention, we don't have a coin game on this list. There's a lot of things we don't have on this list. You know, you were talking about All Bridges Burning. Yeah. If we can find a third player, that'd be a fun one to play. Because, I mean, it's it's definitely not going to be at the top of the list, but it's it's worth a play. Caleb may have convinced me on the just a few passing comments, and then uh, so we had a question in our Discord that that someone asked: uh, All Bridges Burning versus Helsinki 1918. And so then, like, I'm looking at both of them because Helsinki 1918 is not a game I'd ever heard of. And then I'm looking at All Bridges Burning. You know, I've talked about coin, whatever it is, what it is. But then it's like, oh, it is Finland. <laughs> so um, we should try to swing that for sure. Three-player yep. All Bridges. I would definitely try. I will always try a coin game. Excellent. Uh, uh, we should do that. And then we could get a coin game ranked. Although we could also do Fire in the Lake at any time. Nice. All right. There you go. 43. Ranking in at number 21. Sword of Rome. All right. There we go. Uh, So, we, last week, and we've talked about a little bit, the Charles S. Roberts Awards were announced for 2020 so these are 2020 games which is worth noting um and i just thought this is not going to be a a whole we're not we're not going to go down the list and talk about right or all the issues with the list what i what i did want to do is go through and um just pick your thoughts on um maybe some of these games we've already talked about we're done which neither of us played but that one war game of the year uh, which is just i mean i was really surprised because it just completely flew under the radar didn't even notice the kickstarter um hadn't heard anyone talk about it so good for them uh that's your war game of the year for 2020 
Yeah. Yeah, there were two things that jumped out to me on the list. Um, the first one was Jaws of Victory, one for best mm-hmm. components, which 100% agree on. I, I played that game last year. That game has the best components of any game that I've ever played. So I like that. So I'm I'm holding right next to me. That box you're hearing is the Battle of Dresden from New England Simulation, same company. Yeah. Which I don't know how their printing process works, but this is a 1995 game. Okay. And the box cover still looks like it was made in 1995, but opening it up, like the components, yeah, they're gorgeous. Yeah. So I, I but I don't know, like, there's nothing indicated that this has been reprinted. Um. But I, I have high hopes for the next game after seeing uh, not only best components, but also best rule book. Yeah, best for, and, and it was best World War II game, which, yeah. I mean, it, it seems silly to talk about the components first. The game is very good. I like the game <laughs> a lot, but the components are the best I've ever seen. So it's it's weird to focus that much on the components. I just, that's the first game I ever opened up and I was blown away by the components. So, <laughs> Have you played or looked at, so the best ACW game was Chancellorsville 1863. Nope. So is, that a, I had a, is that a Worthington? It is. Okay. And I made the mistake of just assuming this was like Holdfast or Yeah, I, I get into that too, where I look at those Worthington block games and I kind of think they're all the same. Right. I But I think this is different. Good. I th- And... Um, so I, I wanted to look into it, but I, I think it's like not really readily available. I just think it has different pieces going on. Um, it's way more involved than something like Holdfast is the way it, what I'll say. So that one definitely caught my eye. That one, best ACW. Yeah, good. Caesar Rome versus Gaul won Ancients to Medieval, um, which probably I think that one for me too in 2020. Um I really want to play that game again. I pulled it out at Historic Fest, uh, but ended up playing something else. Like I was gonna, I had the rules. I was reading the rules and got through them as a refresher, but didn't get it on the table. Have yeah. you played that yet? Have not. Nope. Yeah, that's a good one. I've got a local friend that's he's suggested it, but we haven't it gotten together to play it yet. Um, I don't know if there's any. There's one uh, more that I want to mention. If we're done talking about the good stuff, I will go ahead and stick my twist the knife here. Okay. okay. I don't Best think post, I have. Yeah, go ahead. Postcard game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if they want to be taken seriously, they can't let Lucky Luxembourg win. It's not a yeah. game. It's a joke. Right. And right. it's a funny joke. I appreciate the joke, but it's not a game. And if they want to be taken seriously, that can't win best postcard right. game. I have not right. played or seen any of those other games, but I would assume that at least one of them is a game, not a joke. Yeah, and that's that's the nature of the Charles S. Roberts Awards are based off of write-in votes. And they did change some things this year. Um, so, like, War Game of the Year, write-in votes, but then you then they did a vote. Like, hey, these are your five choices for War Game of the Year. And I yeah. don't remember what all they opened up the voting for. But obviously, postcards, they they didn't. And so when it's just, it's a category that probably a lot of people aren't playing postcard war games. Mm-hmm. And So I just so want to say, just, for the listeners, 
if you don't know what Lucky Little Luxembourg is, it's made by the same guy that did Brave Little Belgium and White Eagle Defiant, but it literally is a joke. The The board is... Uh, it has Luxembourg and has one counter that you're supposed to cut out and one space to roll one die. And if you roll one through six on a six-sided die, you lose the game. Right. So it's literally right. a joke. Yes. Right. And so not a popular category. <laughs> you get a few people write it in as a joke or yeah. seriously. I mean, I, you know, I guess if they're really passionate about it, then it's going to win. And I mean, how many people do you have involved with on the um i don't know what they call themselves the board or whoever's in charge yeah, of no idea but there's there's a number of people i'm pretty sure yeah and it's like you i i think they should curate a list and they don't have to be super selective but you could weed some things out for sure yep um yeah i think the now there was also a lot of pushback like some people are just like i love looking at awards and there's always no matter what you're talking about oscars or sure, bgg awards are like those don't matter and it's like yeah but it's still fun yeah there's always that guy in the room so it's like yeah like the 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 csr awards want to be taken seriously as this lasting legacy of this thing that's been going on forever and they want to be taken seriously and they do things like that. And then there's other people that are like, oh, you shouldn't even pay attention anyways. Like, I think it needs to be this this in between. And also people need to just be like, hey, it's okay to have fun and award things. And, you know, if it's not important to you, that's fine. But it it's a service to me because now I know about Verdun. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Yeah. If you found a good game out of it, then that's good. All right. We had a listener question. Excellent. And I actually really like this question. And there was an email that went along with it. Um, so Larry S. wrote in. And Larry is a big fan of... Um, sorry, i got to find the right email. I'm in the, my wrong email. That's why. Larry is a fan of Storm Over Arnhem. Okay. And got the, got the quiz in seven... He pointed out in the Storm Over Arnhem rule book, it has like one of his favorite quips he, he's read. Um, he says, there's a favorite rule wording of mine found on page nine. British reformed units, due to a combination of their plight and the elon of their forces, he says he always smiles when he reads this rule and makes him wonder what our favorite rule passage is. So I gave this some thought, which is always like, I know there have been moments when we've pointed out those like funny rules or things in the uh-huh. rule book that, but like, oh, obviously, of course, I can't bring any to mind now. Well, I've got one. It's not yep. a war game and I don't even own the game, but it's my all time favorite role passage in the game Arboretum. Have you played that or do you know of it? Oh yeah. And okay. I, I even know where you're going with this. I yeah. love Arboretum. So I haven't played it, but my favorite rules passage, the tiebreaker in that game is that both players go outside and plant a tree, and whichever tree is taller in five years wins the game. That's right. That's my yep. all-time favorite rules passage. Oh, I love Arboretum. Arboretum is one of my favorite <laughs> card games. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I and I was I wanted to think of my like war game ones or like little flavor texts of history that are in there. And I, I couldn't think of a specific one, but like a Berg rule book is just yeah. going to be chock full of them. Bergs are SPQR, good. SPQR has tons of them in yeah. there. 
Berg is really good. Dean Essig is really good. I like the way he writes his rules. Um, I like the fact that, and I, I know Mitch does this in his rules too, because it's, it's just like a running joke. Um, the whole transferring movement point things and uh, zero is a zero on the die. Those, those things I always crack up when I read. Yeah. Uh, mentioning Mitch, like including um, Dian Bin Phu and Next War Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great little. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, we always joke about, you know, can, well, can movement points be transferred or saved? That's <laughs> It's just like a running joke because it's funny. And because it's a running joke, Mitch will put it in his rule book saying you can't do that. And then for, for next war, I think all of the rule books say a zero means zero because he uses a 10-sided die. It's zero through nine. And I assume this comes from people asking him, is that a zero or is that a 10? <laughs> so he'll put in the rules. A zero means zero. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Well, thank you. Thank you, Larry, for checking out the show. I, th- I think in his email, I've already closed out of it. He talked about how good Storm Over Arnhem was. I need yeah. to find a copy of that. Yeah, we should play that. That map is dope. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't have any other questions this month, so this is the point in the show where we stop talking about war games and history, and we talk about all the other good good stuff going on in our lives uh you got anything rich yeah time to ramble um i just picked up masks of neolotep wow this is something i've been wanting to do for a while and i finally uh i think i'm gonna get a group together so it's gonna wow. be so good this I'm is jelly. for those of you who don't know this is an rpg from it's call of cthulhu it's i mean you could call it an adventure or a module or whatever but it's it's one of the Probably across all systems, it might be one of the biggest ever written. It's it's world spanning, you know. It's seven hundred pages of stuff, and I just can't wait to do it. I'm looking, I'm I'm starting to get to the point where I think Call of Cthulhu is my my go to RPG now. Yeah, I uh, um, I put the forty fifth. They they just had like an anniversary edition come out. Uh-huh. Uh, that's on my. Hopefully Santa brings it under the tree, uh, or my wife, uh, because that's pretty dope. I mean, this this was the year that I really dove into Call of Cthulhu, and I can definitely see it. I, I like that system a lot as well. Yeah. And the fact that you're going to be able to run in and in your possession masks of Nyarlathotep, that's pretty dope. Yeah. I was going to run something next weekend for my daughter's birthday. It's something Lord of the Rings, either the One Ring or D&D, but I don't think that's going to happen now so speaking of ruddy things one of the events i'm going to run at historic fest i'm going to do a colonial marines one shot okay cool preaching characters just make it just like aliens you know nice so i think that'd be fun i mean obviously not so is that in the the alien rpg system or is that something else yeah yeah sorry i will use uh yeah the alien rpg is fantastic and it uh, a lot of cool mechanics in there that i like and if it's broke don't fix it so are you still running broke. that online? I know you were, but I haven't really kept up with it. It is on. I wrapped up the first season, okay. uh, the first story, and then my goal when I start cycling stuff back up will be uh, to do a marine-based one, and then they were, uh, and then do a colonist one. Like, you can play the game three different ways, truckers, marines, or people living on a planet. And mm. So I want to continue the themes and overarching story with, with two other seasons. Nice. Yeah, that'd be a good addition. I mean, 
game cons it that those evening things you're always looking for like an evening game or something light or something different but rpg one shots are perfect for an evening at a con yeah yeah and i was thinking i have like a world war ii rpg and it looks pretty interesting and it was written i don't know how many years ago but i was like no one most people that are like going to be a sword quest know more about anything related <laughs> than i do anyway so you're like, gonna get into an argument over like the size of, of tank rounds <laughs> yeah right and so i was like no this will be this will be good um hey i think our rpg is uh yeah i think to, we're back on soon yeah i can't remember i saw, i filled out the doodle so yeah i gotta put it on the calendar um, cool so that'll be fun we'll wrap up get back on that train that's right should be one more um, because you guys were close anyway. You so said that I'll, last I'll... time too, though, and then we apparently wasted a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. uh, Has anyone ever done a one-shot in one session? That's what I want to know. Right. <laughs> I have. Just to let you know. Yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah. And then... You got me hooked on spooky stuff. Well, really, you got my yeah. wife hooked on spooky stuff. So okay. we made it all the way through Hill House, and now, actually, tonight, we're going to finish up Bly Manor. Oh, uh, so, such a good ending. It's so funny, though. I mean, like, you know, my wife will sit there in the dark next to each other on the couch. And there's been twice, I think once in each show that she's like grabbed my leg hard enough to leave a bruise. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you probably guess which which times and where it happened. I don't want to give spoilers for the show, but yeah, they're really good. And then you've also you got us reading the elementals as well. Mm, so mm-hmm. that's interesting, though, because. I know you you like the elementals. I do like it, but thriller and horror in a book form is just so different from visual. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not that I don't like it. I'm enjoying it. Um, it's just I I just I'm constantly thinking how different this is because uh, you can't do a jump scare in a book, you know. Right. <laughs> and jump scares are something that in Hill and Bly House they. They use them the right amount. There's not too they many. Do. They use them for maximum effectiveness. But it's something you can't do in a book. And Bly, I, I even think they toned down on Bly. And yeah. I think they toned down even more on Midnight Mass. Okay. We're going to watch Which is fine because next. Midnight Mass isn't the same gothic horror. Yeah. It's a, well, you'll see very quickly what it is. It's a different type of horror. So it makes sense what. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate but, even that Hill and Bly are, are pretty different. Bly feels more different. like a mystery. Yeah, Bly is gothic horror. Yeah. And Haunting on Hill House is haunted house horror. I mean, yeah. it's very different. Um, I I did a uh, – I was talking to Jason from Advanced After Combat mm-hmm. about um, some Lovecraft stuff, which Love, Lovecraft so is problematic talking, for so books many – or, or what do you mean? Yeah, books, books, okay. books, books. So I, I – enjoy the mythos so much but um i'm i'm listening to and reading on paper depending on the length of the story the hp lovecraft historical societies their reading of all of lovecraft stuff yeah and i did mountain of madness and i thought it was it was pretty good it's just i have to be laser focused to appreciate lovecraft based off his former writing um, and so we we're talking about that and they we're like, really, we need to, he found like a listing of some of the best modern works in 
the Lovecraft mythos. And so I read my first N.K. Jemison book, who, who I've read, who I've heard about, um, and she's done all kinds of stuff. And she wrote a book called "The City We Became." Okay. And it was, um, it it ties in directly into the Call of Cthulhu mythos. It also, I think, tastefully points out all the issues with Lovecraft primarily him you know racism. being a racist bigot <laughs> yeah um but does so in a like it's good i i don't i don't think I'll, I, i'm just gonna back off and and not say something that really doesn't need to be said because the book is good i thought it had a really cool concept where like these all these different boroughs of new york become people and that was like kind of a cool thing to like see each type of borough become humanized Mm -hmm. um and so i don't know if she's gonna continue supposedly it's marked as a series on goodreads i don't know it's good it's it's fine four out of five stars for me um i i think it'd be cool to like see other cities but i don't i don't know if they'd work as well because um well anyways it is Mm. what it is you know this just occurred to me did uh old gods ever announce our rpg yes they did okay but it was on their let me see if it's out there because it was on their patrons page, which I joined uh, just. Okay. Uh, you did, just to, yeah, because I wanted to. Well, news. plus you get you get more more podcasts from them if you join. So yeah, but well, I didn't join at that level. So oh, okay, <laughs> um, okay, it's on their Twitter. So this is yeah, this is it pretty is. exciting. Okay, okay. Cool. Um, so the old gods of Appalachia uh, tabletop RPG is coming from Monty Cook Games. It's pretty cool. So it's going to have a nice – it's going to use the Cypher system, which I have not – you've played Cypher though, right? I do, and I have the Cypher rulebook. Yeah, and I think I have a PDF of the Cypher rulebook. Cypher's so, pretty cool. I mean, for for a generic RPG, it's really well done. Um, and there's I, – I can see this fitting in because one of the cool things about the Cypher system is you can you can just totally make your own powers and everything. So powers, spells, what, whatever your system is, whatever you want to use, you can just completely customize that. Nice. Well, so this is Kickstarter in 2022. And even if I got to the point, I like sit down with Cypher, I was like, no, I'll never touch Cypher, which would be unlikely. There's, I am imagining that there's going to be enough source stuff to even just pull out of, you know, just to have it as inspiration. Um, very excited for this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've, said before on i think i said on discord but um when i listened to the the current end like the last where that where they are right now um i mean i could totally make that into a cthulhu one shot i mean just that that whole ritual that they did in the last episode that could be a great one shot in it really call a cthulhu or even D if you wanted to sure yeah uh, any other good stuff going on? Uh, well, I mean, things are going to start to slow down. Work has been crazy, but I, I, I imagine I'm going to get a lot more gaming in. My daughter, she'll be home this week from college and then back for finals and then back again. So hopefully we'll get some more gaming in. Nice. I'm like on the, I've got more gaming in since our game day than I did for like all of October. We, there's some laws that, were apparently going to be passed ended up not being passed and <laughs> like just things are 
getting things done at the office or opening up more things. So it's been good. I've been playing a lot more. Um, I did rethink my cabin games. Oh yeah. Um, for when I do that. Yeah. I was, I was going to do uh second fleet. Okay. But then I was like, I should probably like look at some of the 2021 games that I bought just to try to get them in before the end of the year. I'm not, I'm not overly concerned that just based off how we structure our end of the year show anyways because it's anything that's new to us um but like atlantic chase i haven't played that yet so i think i'm gonna knock that out we were talking about that again at game day again today that one is just every that i mean that game's got so much buzz yeah so i'm I'm gonna take that one and i i have like a whole tab of things open which is how i ended up stickering uh comic or commands and color samurai i was like how have i not played that yet (laughs) um so I'll probably do some more recent stuff instead of Second Fleet. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking about uh, Buffalo Wings. Like, Buffalo Wings, I, I even messaged Mitch and told him, like, it's been on my mind for no real reason other than it's just like, I need to get back to that because that was just, it's living in my head right now. Um, And where I thought that the bookkeeping in that game was going to be a turnoff and like wanted the vassal module to automate it and was disappointed when it didn't, the more I like appreciate the bookkeeping as a way of learning the game. Mm-hmm. So hopefully some more Buffalo wings too. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think I'm going to put BCS uh, Panzer's last stand back on the table because I want to play the full campaign. But after that, I think I want to play something either ancients or something air naval. One of those two will probably be my next game on the table. Nice. Yeah, someone someone had asked um, what our favorite or what they were looking for a recommendation for Middle Ages game. Okay. And they said that they said, "Hey, looking for a recommendation," but the podcast is kind of civil armor for it. I was like, "Huh." And that's kind of true, like, or especially on every war game ever list. Mm-hmm. If if someone was going to the cabin with me, I would get Nevsky played. Uh, speaking yeah. of Middle Ages, but, yep. Yeah, we don't have much. We do tend to focus Civil War and World War Two, but hey, we just got a we just got an Ancients on the list. So there you go. There we go. All right. Anything else? No, I think that'll do it. I think so too. Well, you so do it for next- Thanksgiving. Oh, all the family stuff. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna go to my mom's tomorrow, and then Melissa's parents on Wednesday, actually, which will be interesting because I think Thanksgiving Day itself we have no plans, so probably play a game. <laughs> there you go. We will. I gotta see what the weather is on Thursday because if it's chilly enough, I'm gonna do hot buttered rum. Uh, nice. which would be delicious if it's like not that cold then i'll just save that for christmas or something like that uh i'm that sure we'll get really some family good. games in but i had a sore throat last week so i made myself a hot toddy and it was amazing nice i was doing uh too many unfortunately <laughs> uh scotch highballs because they had uh johnny red yeah and uh, it was good they were going down real smooth (laughs) that's why i'm drinking water (laughs) 
All right. Uh, so next month, folks, is our end of the year episode. And we've got some great special guests lined up, much like we did last year. Um, not only podcasters, but designers, um, YouTube personalities. So Rich and I ourselves. Um, and anything goes for 2021 that was published in 2021 or new to us in 2021. Uh, so we'll have a blend of mix, uh, new and old. We will then discuss potential re-rankings of one or two games on the reward game ever list. Um, and then we'll do all the other nonsense, TV, movies, video games, if, we, if there's something we want to talk about that's not war games, we'll break it up into two segments like we did last year. Uh, so, yeah, uh, do the contest thing. Retweet this episode with your favorite game. If there's, like, enough uh, buzz about it, then, like, I can tabulate the votes and say, like, oh, the most popular response was Lucky Little Luxembourg or something like that. <laughs> uh, so, retweet, uh, enter the contest, leave us a review on iTunes. It's much appreciated do that we'll announce a winner for that uh, gift card to miniature market we uh let's see other show business uh there's a facebook group but really the discord is the the spot where you can find us most active ask us direct questions all that stuff you can always send us an email history table podcast at gmail.com history table podcast at gmail.com or you can follow both rich and i on twitter rich i'm at trapeer jr trapeer jr and at History Table Pod, uh, I think that's going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, wrapping up next month. And then I think it'll be interesting in January, actually, when we do our look forward to 2022 anticipated games. I think because of the shipping delays we saw this year, it's going to look very similar to our 2021. Well, list. so that's <laughs> what, yeah, we need to talk about that because I, I've, I've actually started my list because I yeah. didn't want to forget. And I was like, I'm going to check on the status <laughs> of everything I listed. One game on my list <laughs> shipped. Yeah. Uh, um. Well, actually, it was a grouping of the ASL packs. Those okay. are the only things that made it to me. Yeah. Um, and so I figured it would just be easier to, all right, here's the updates on the <laughs> things we didn't get. Yeah. And here's all the new stuff. Yeah. Uh, nice. Well, everyone, please have a wonderful, very happy Thanksgiving. I hope this finds you in time to accompany you on your travels, your driving, or if you just need an escape from the in-laws, you can... Plug yeah. us into your earbuds and. Thanks for listening and th and thanks for for talking to us online because I, I really do enjoy that. One hundred percent agree. So happy Thanksgiving, folks. We will be back uh, in December. Yeah. Good night, everyone. <laughs>